The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you all. Well, it's finally here. Super Bowl, or as it's sometimes called, Super Sunday. We certainly have been hearing a lot about this event, haven't we? Perhaps because it is the 50th, or maybe just because it's right in our backyard. But it certainly seems like the Super Bowl has taken over everything. Don't you agree? I mean, there's a super city within a city. There are all sorts of ads that we can watch for super deals on cars or super chips even. It seems that the Super Bowl has affected everything, even sermons. To be sure, people will have adjusted their schedule today. I'm sure you've probably been asked, what are you doing for the game today? People are going to be getting together with, for parties or just sitting down and making sure they're watching that game. But we know that the, the Super Bowl is, has affected us in other ways too, like with traffic. So it seems that Super Bowl has become like a national holiday. It's a big thing capturing everybody's attention. Super Sunday. Well, did you know that it's Super Sunday for us, not just here in the Bay Area because of the Super Bowl, but for us Christians, it's Super Sunday? Yeah, it's Transfiguration Sunday. Yeah, hold your excitement down. <laughs> you see, the Sunday before we start the season of Lent, Ash Wednesday starts this week, that season when we focus on the suffering of Jesus for our salvation. Well, the Sunday before is designated as Transfiguration Sunday, a time when we focus on this glorious event that happened in Jesus' life, when he was transfigured before three of his disciples. Now, that was not just a big show of light and glory. It was an event that had a special message, one for you and me. It lets us see the real Jesus. And it gives us the encouragement, look for the victory. Let's listen again to the details as Matthew shares them with us. After six days, Jesus took with him Peter, James, and John, the brother of James, and led them up a high mountain by themselves. There he was transfigured before them. His face shone like the sun, and his clothes became as white as the light. Just then, there appeared before them Moses and Elijah talking with Jesus. Peter said to Jesus, Lord, it's good for us to be here. If you wish, I will put up three shelters, one for you and one for Moses and one for Elijah. And while he was still speaking, a bright cloud covered them. And a voice from the cloud said, This is my son, whom I love. With him I am well pleased. Listen to him. When the disciples heard this, they fell face down to the ground, terrified. But Jesus came and touched them. Get up, he said. Don't be afraid. When they looked up, they saw no one except Jesus. And as they were coming down the mountain, Jesus instructed them, Don't tell anyone what you have seen until the Son of Man has been raised from the dead. 
Super Bowl. Lots of different things connected with it, right? All sorts of different celebrations, different events, uh, commercials, all sorts of things are going to get our attention. And it seems to be that all of those events are also going to be what determines if this was a good Super Bowl or not, right? But doesn't it really come down to just this? The game? <laughs> Isn't that what it's about? And the men who are out there on that field trying to win? It seems that the Super Bowl maybe is evaluated based on so many other things around it than just the game itself. Sometimes I think that happens with the Christian church also, or the Christian faith. People tend to look at all sorts of things that are connected with it, like the building, or what kind of programs, or what are the people like who are in that church, when really the focus itself is on this. Jesus, who he really is. So this morning, let's take a look at who Jesus really is based on this transfiguration event. What we're going to do is take a look and see who was all involved in that event. Now, we're doing that with the Super Bowl, right? Everybody is taking a look at who are the key players, what is their background like, what's their experience, their record, and how are they going to contribute to the outcome of the game? And based on that, predictions then are made. Well, let's take a look at the background of Jesus to see who he really is. Right before this event, which starts out with the phrase, after six days, Jesus had been with his disciples, and he asked them, who are people saying I am? It was like we hear today with, with the players for the Super Bowl, uh, who's the better quarterback, or who's got the better statistics, or the better coach, or whatever it might be. Jesus was saying, what are people saying about me? And the disciples gave him a variety of answers of what people were saying. But then Jesus narrowed down the question, and he asked it directly of them. But who do you say I am? And that really is key for us. People are, are going to have all sorts of opinions about who Jesus is, but what only matters for you is, who do you say he is? When Jesus asked that question, Peter boldly jumped up and said, You are the Christ, the Son of the living God. And Jesus said, You are right. But that was not something you figured out on your own. The Father revealed that to you. And that's true for us too. We didn't figure it out on our own. God revealed him to us. And the transfiguration is such an event of revelation. Here we see Jesus transfigured before his disciples. Uh, that word transfigured in, in the Greek language is metamorphosis. It's that word we use to describe when that goopy little caterpillar becomes a beautiful butterfly. How did that change happen? Well, all the characteristics of that beautiful butterfly were already in that goopy little caterpillar. It just came out now. And so it was with Jesus. Now his divine nature showed through that humble appearance of a human being. 
Oh, it wasn't like, you know, Jesus just took off a mask or a costume and here's the real me. No, Jesus really is a human being and he is really God, as he showed in that transfiguration where Matthew tells us his, his appearance was bright like the sun. When Mark talked about it, he said, his clothes became so white, whiter than you could bleach anything. And Luke said it was like a bright flash of lightning. That was the divine glory showing through. And then the Father spoke from heaven. This is my Son whom I love. No question. We see it. We hear it. This is indeed the Son of God. Now the Father said a little more. He also said, with him I am well pleased. With that, he was talking about his record of performance. Just like, you know, people are going to be talking about Peyton Manning's record or, or some other player's record. So we get an indication of the record of performance for Jesus. God said, I am well pleased with him, perfectly pleased, because Jesus was perfect in all of his obedience to the laws of God. He always kept the third commandment and the second and the first he always obeyed his parents. He always showed kindness and helped people. He never took what did not belong to him. He never said bad things about others. Jesus was perfect in his obedience. Not only to the laws of God, but also, the scriptures tell us, he was obedient unto death, even death on the cross. He was obedient to God's plan of salvation that one day he would bear the sin and the shame of the world. Although he was perfect, he bore our faults. Obedient unto death for us. Obedient throughout life for us. Here's the good news. Jesus' perfect record becomes ours through faith in him. The Apostle Paul explained that. He said, but now, apart from the law, apart from you doing it, the righteousness of God has been made known to which the law and the prophets testify. This righteousness is given through faith in Jesus Christ to all who believe. His righteousness is ours. Now, along with Jesus, Moses and Elijah appeared. These are two guys who've been dead for hundreds, thousands of years. And there they are, a miraculous event, standing next to Jesus. Now, why? Why did they come? Why wasn't it somebody else that they knew? Well, there's a lot of different explanations for it. Moses being one of the great leaders of the Old Testament and the one who symbolized the giving of the law of God. Elijah, one of the great prophets in the Old Testament, who led battles against the enemies of God and called the people to be faithful to God. They are simply a representation of what we might say is God's word. The word that would testify to and about Jesus. In the passage I just read, Paul said, the righteousness that is testified to in the law and the prophets. 
And Jesus himself referred to the law and the prophets testifying to him. On Easter Sunday, when Jesus is walking along the Emmaus Road with two of his disciples, unknown to them who he was, he explained how the word talked about all that had happened to him. Here's what he said. Did not the Messiah have to suffer these things and then enter his glory? And then beginning with Moses and all the prophets, Jesus explained to them what was said in all the scriptures concerning himself. Jesus, uh, Moses rather, and Elijah appearing there are simply testifying, this is the Messiah. And what will happen to him is for our salvation. It says they were talking to Jesus. Wouldn't you just love to know what they were talking about? Well, Luke tells us in his account of this what Moses and Elijah were talking to Jesus about. One key word. Luke said they spoke about his departure, which was about to bring, which was about to bring to fulfillment at Jerusalem. His departure. Now that might be a, a nice little word to speak of his death, you know, his departure from life. But there was more. It was his departure from this world. His taking again his glorious throne in heaven to rule over all things. In fact, that word departure can be translated from the Greek, the final outcome. They were talking to him about the final outcome of his work, which was our salvation. That's what they were doing. Testifying, this is the Savior, and encouraging Jesus for what he would soon experience. It was all there, laid out in the scriptures laid out for you and me. And that's what Peter was telling us, which we heard about a few minutes ago in our scripture reading. He said, I saw it. I saw the glory of Jesus displayed on that mountain. And he said, you too can see it with the eyes of your heart. In the scriptures which God has given us, they point us to Jesus. So, Everybody's attention today is focused on the Super Bowl. And people are asked though, their opinion. Who do you think is going to win? And everybody has their favorite team. And some fans are going to be so dedicated that even if their favorite team loses, they will have reasons to explain it away. Well, the balls weren't inflated correctly, or the referee made a bad call, or whatever it is. It seems that people's opinion is still going to decide who's the best team, despite what the score is. Don't let people's opinions shape what you believe about Jesus. Rather, listen to what God says. Listen to the scriptures. That's what the Father said. This is my son. Listen to him. Now, sometimes football games are decided by big plays, right? We've seen some of those where there's a Hail Mary pass at the end of the game and it turns into a touchdown and the team that was losing now wins. Or where a field goal kicker kicks a long field goal, nobody expected it would cross through those goalposts, and it does and the team wins. Big play. Here's the big play for Jesus. This testimony that God tells us 
He's my son and your savior. Looking at that event on the Mount of Transfiguration, we see the glory of Jesus. But soon after this event, Jesus would climb another mountain, which did not look very glorious. He would climb that mountain, not to be praised as the Son of God and to wear a crown of glory, but instead to wear a crown of thorns, and not to be honored by his Father, but to be condemned. To be condemned for my sin, for your sin. He would accomplish a victory that nobody else could accomplish. We can't accomplish it. We can't even do anything to help in it. He would take on the forces of evil. He would take on the devil and defeat him who's trying to stop us. And Jesus would open the way to eternal life. That would be his glory. People want to see the glory of God displayed in miracles today to heal them, to fix this or that. The writer to the Hebrews tells us, look at Jesus this way. He says, fix your eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of faith, who for the joy set before him endured the cross, scorning its shame, and now sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Consider him who endured such opposition from sinners so that you will not grow weary and lose heart. See what it says? Fix your eyes on Jesus. Just on Jesus and what he has done. Not on the stock market, not on your checkbook, not on what the doctor says about your health, not on the success you have at work, not on the wonderful schooling that you're going through. Fix your eyes on Jesus. There is your assurance and hope. You want to have a good life, a blessed life, the best life? It's right here. Keep your eyes on Jesus. You know, it, it seems for the last couple of weeks we've, we've heard about or seen the F Super Bowl everywhere, even in sermons. Do you see Jesus everywhere in your life? Do you see him in your finances? Do you see him at work? Do you see him how he's guiding your hand? Do you see him in the doctor's office? He's there. Every day, everywhere, Jesus is there. I want to encourage you and give you a little help so that you always keep your eyes fixed on Jesus. I know a lot of you, if not all of you, do email. I'm going to suggest to you a simple little devotion that comes every morning, actually comes just after midnight. A beautiful devotion that fixes your eyes on Jesus. The one that was just on Friday was entitled Here, There, Everywhere. And it reminded us just about how Jesus is everywhere in our life. Now you can get those email devotions also. If you look at your sermon notes that are in the bulletin, in this section of the message, I put down 
the address that you can go to. You can go there and you can sign up and you can read that devotion and then scroll down a little more and then you can sign up or subscribe to have those emails delivered every day to your box. And whether you're sitting at your computer or whether you're somewhere else and you're checking your email on your phone, because I know you do it, even the kids, you can hear about Jesus every day, everywhere. Hear what he has done for you. Hear who he is. And then one more thing. Look for one more thing. The winners. It's you. What Jesus has done for you is given you a prize that beats any other trophy, any other worldly accomplishment. You know, the Super Bowl champs today are going to be the champs for one year. And then it starts all over. But you and I are victors forever. That's why that writer to the Hebrews says, let's throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles and let us run with perseverance the race that is marked out for us. The race is already marked out. It's already set. Eternal life has been won for us. Jesus has done it all. We simply need to trust it's true. After the disciples saw that event and heard that voice of Jesus, remember what happened? It says, when they heard this, they fell down to the ground, terrified. But Jesus came and touched them. Get up, he said. Don't be afraid. And when they looked up, they saw no one except Jesus. Eternal life has been won for us. Don't let the things that happen in life scare you. Just look up and see Jesus and run for that prize. The writer said, don't let those obstacles get in the way and hinder you. That is, don't put things in your life that are going to keep you from Jesus. Different activities, different desires, different things you trust in, only Jesus. And he says, take off that, that sin that can entangle you. The picture would be like, like me running a race wearing this robe. I, I couldn't run the race no matter what, but wearing this robe, I would get tripped up and tangled up. So it is with sin in our life. He says, get rid of it. Fight that temptation. Stay faithful to God. Run on the path marked out for you. And when you do, oh, what a thrill you will have. The Apostle Paul reminds us not to get distracted with things that go on in our life. He said, not that I have already obtained all of this or have already arrived at my goal, but I press on to take hold of that for which Christ Jesus took hold of me. Brothers and sisters, I do not consider myself yet to have taken hold of it, but one thing I do, forgetting what is behind and straining toward what is ahead, I press on toward the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. There's going to be a bunch of men playing on grass this afternoon trying to get that prize. And one group is going to try to stop the other group. And that's true in our life too. There are those who are going to be out to stop that goal that God has for us. Keep your eyes on that prize and run that race. 
and the thrill will be yours. A lot of excitement about the Super Bowl, but there's no better excitement than knowing this. Peter said to Jesus, Lord, it's good for us to be here. If you wish, I'll put up three shelters, one for you, one for Moses, and one for Elijah. The thrill is for us being with God. That's what Peter was expressing. That's what Paul would express. Even when he was in prison, he said, you know, I might die, but I'm okay with that. Because what could be better than to be living with Jesus? He said, but on the other hand, I might keep living. And I'm okay with that too. Because what could be better than being here and serving Jesus? You see, knowing we are God's people is the thrill. Despite whatever we might experience in life, you can't take that fact away. We are God's people. This week in our men's Monday class and our women's uh, class on Wednesday, we're going to be starting the book of Revelation. And we're going to hear about the messages that it had for, for the time then and, and for us today and, and for tomorrow. And we're going to hear about some tough times that people will experience. But it always comes back to this point of thrill, of glory. We are God's. And he is with us. And that becomes our cheer. People are going to be cheering today. They have a message about their team. We've got a message too. As they were coming down the mountain, Jesus instructed them, don't tell anyone what you have seen until the Son of Man has been raised from the dead. Now at first you might go, why should they not tell anybody? This was a great event. Shouldn't they be telling people? No. Jesus wanted them to see the full story. They wanted to see how he would also bear the sin of the world, that the cross came before the crown. He didn't tell them, don't tell. He said, don't tell until I've been raised from the dead. And that's our message too, that the plan of salvation has been carried out by the Son of God, and it's done. Through the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus, our salvation is one. That's our message clear and loud. And that's what we reflect in our worship. We get together to encourage one another. As the book of Revelation reminds us that even though we go through trials in life, God has us gathered together. We're gathered together now to encourage one another and to be filled with joy. Now this Wednesday we start the season of Lent. For some that might be viewed as kind of a downer time as we reflect on the suffering of Jesus. But he did it for us, to give us that victory. It's a time for us to celebrate and to be joyous. So you got some battles in life? Some things going on that maybe are preventing you from experiencing the, the joy and the blessings you had hoped for? Remember this, you also got victory. John, who saw that glory of Jesus, would years later write this. Everyone who is a child of God conquers the world. And this is the victory that conquers the world, our faith. So the one who conquers the world is the person who believes that Jesus is the Son of God. There's going to be a battle going on this afternoon in your life and tomorrow in the days ahead. But live as victors, because you are 
in Christ Jesus. Live now for that victor. Amen.